Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Love in Basketball podcast. I'm your host, Adam Gearlock. I'm a leadership coach, a student of servant leadership, and a former men's college basketball coach. Thank you so much for being here, and I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. Love is at the heart of servant leadership, and the Love in Basketball podcast explores servant leadership on and off the court, seeking a fuller picture and deeper understandings of this vision for leadership that holds people and results together. Some episodes will be conversations with servant leader practitioners throughout the world of basketball, learning what it looks like to do this form of leadership out in the world. The first of these conversations will be released December 10th and features Willis Wilson, the current head men's basketball coach at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Coach Wilson was also previously the head coach at Rice University, where he is the winningest coach in school history. These have been some truly generative and life-giving conversations, and I'm so excited to share these with you. And then some episodes will be solo episodes with me. I'll hop in here periodically to dive into the academic frameworks, concepts, and theories of servant leadership. And for this first episode, I thought it would be worthwhile and important to start off by asking the question, what is servant leadership? What do I mean when I talk about exploring servant leadership on and off the court? Because my first exposures to the term servant leadership were not what I've come to understand it as now. And I would imagine that for those listening, servant leadership might mean a variety of different things. Many of the principles of servant leadership are not new, but what is new is their application and integration into a holistic vision and philosophy for leadership. And so our first task might be to understand what is servant leadership what does it entail, and begin to explore why it's important to concern ourselves with this life-giving form of leadership that's often fraught with mystery and misunderstanding. My first exposure to servant leadership was in the context of the word servant, or servitude. While I was a student manager at Rice University 10 plus years ago, servant leadership was presented to me in a context of only performing menial tasks for others. At the time, I certainly did not wish to view myself in this way, and in our country in particular, the word servant, servitude, is inevitably tied to oppression, the state of being a slave. It's no wonder that servant leadership is often repackaged as conscious leadership, positive leadership, transformational leadership, etc. As I dove further into servant leadership at that time, I also butted up against religious affiliations and connotations. For many, servant leadership does have an important religious connection and Jesus Christ is undoubtedly considered an important servant leader in history. But to be a servant leader does not require an underlying faith or religious affiliation. As someone who was raised Jewish and considers himself Jewish, but not religious, these contexts of being an instrument of Christ, discerning God's will, serving Christ, also led me to believe that servant leadership was not for me. While thinking that servant leadership was not for me, I followed the path of others and turned to ways of leading that were glamorized or popularized. And outside of this early introduction to the term, servant leadership was not something I came across often. I came to believe that serving others in a way that results in our collective growth as persons and achieving results on the court were mutually exclusive endeavors. And as a result, I had achieved some level of success, but it came at great cost to myself and others. Part of this for me was a lack of understanding as to what servant leadership really is, and a lack of broader awareness for servant leader practitioners in the world of basketball. 
But over the last several months, I've seen the growth of servant leadership and the outward use of the term in basketball. And now as a leadership coach and a student of servant leadership, I hope I have a bit of a deeper understanding as to what servant leadership really is. The Love in Basketball podcast is an evolution of my own journey, hoping to provide a little bit of what I failed to receive as a student manager and young assistant coach in college basketball, and moving these insights forward in a way that both honors and serves others. We consider Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King Jr. to be servant leaders, but the founder of the modern servant leadership movement is a man named Robert Greenleaf, who first coined the term servant leader in an essay written in 1970 titled The Servant as Leader. Robert Greenleaf spent his professional career as a management executive at AT AT&T before retiring and, and beginning his next career as a writer, consultant, and teacher, ultimately founding the Greenleaf Center for Servant Leadership. In The Servant as Leader, Greenleaf wrote, The servant leader is servant first. It begins with the natural feeling that one wants to serve, to serve first. Then conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead. The difference manifests itself in the care taken by the servant first to make sure that other people's highest priority needs are being served. To this definition of the servant leader, Greenleaf added his best test for servant leadership. The best test and difficult to administer is this. Do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants? And what is the effect on the least privileged in society? Will they benefit or at least not be further deprived? So we see from this a much more robust definition of servant leadership than just servitude or something connected to just one religious affiliation. The servant leader is not a servant or not relegated to servitude, but is servant first. This person is interested in the growth of others as persons, serving other people's highest priority needs, and in others becoming healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants. This is opposed to the leader first, someone who may be interested in fulfilling a power drive, acquiring material possessions, demonstrating status, all of which may result in engaging in behaviors that diminish others, as opposed to life-giving actions and behaviors that result in the growth of others. Robert Greenleaf also highlights that there are infinite ways of being between leader first and servant first. These are two extreme types, and between them are shadings and blends that are part of the infinite variety of human nature. A starting point, perhaps, as you listen to this podcast might be to ask, where am I on the spectrum of leader first to servant first? In what ways does that show up for me? Is this serving myself and others as well as I would like? And what might be one thing I can do to move more towards serving first? The servant leader is also not connected to just one religious affiliation, but serves as a bridge between people of differing beliefs, drawing on and honoring our shared humanity. In fact, turning away from our own humanity through arbitrary boundaries and religious distinctions, seeing others as objects rather than as people, makes servant leadership impossible. Serving first inevitably requires that we serve something beyond the existence of ourselves, and in this honoring of our connectedness and interdependence, servant leadership may indeed become deeply spiritual, but in a way that results in our collective growth as persons. Put simply, servant leadership is a vision for leadership that holds people and results together. 
It's a vision for leadership that combines serving others in a way that results in our collective growth as persons and creates the results you truly desire. It's important to note here that growth does not mean more or better in our traditional or individualistic context of leadership. This development is not career development, where we're solely concerned with titles and positions of leadership or moving up some type of hierarchical chain or ladder. Someone like this might be leader first rather than servant first. Servant leadership is often associated with an inversion of our hierarchies and pyramids, recognizing that leadership is inherent to each and every one of us. As Martin Luther King Jr. once said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. This development is also not training development, where we're concerned with some sort of corporate or in a basketball context, a program or team's culture or policies. Servant leadership and actions and values that support servant leadership may very well be an element of a program's training development, but too often this type of development is concerned with rigid adherence to a forced set of behaviors, values, and identity that come from a leader-first perspective rather than a servant-first perspective and treat others as objects causing harm or diminishment. The developmental process of the servant leader is concerned with shifts along human development models and larger shifts in consciousness or awareness. Former professor of organizational leadership at Gonzaga University and author of Servant Leaders in Training, John Horseman, highlights that developing more servant leaders involves more than choosing and learning a different leadership style. It requires a profound shift in values such that a person's actual consciousness and worldview changes. The shift involves introspection, reflection, healing, learning, and a growth of consciousness such that one's purpose and sense of meaning is fundamentally transformed toward a more expansive and profoundly relational perspective. Real change, real transformation, the ones that are enduring and impactful, are transformations of spirit, where who I am and how I make meaning of the world fundamentally change. As former president of the Czech Republic, Václav Havel reminds us, consciousness precedes being, and not the other way around. For this reason, the salvation of this human world lies nowhere else than in the human heart, in the human power to reflect, in human meekness, and in human responsibility. Engaging in these transformations may be the essence of what it means to walk the path of servant leadership. It's a path of exploration and learning, struggling and making mistakes. But in the words of John Horseman, it's also a long-term transformational approach to life and work a way of being in the world that has the potential for creating positive change throughout our society. It's one thing to say that servant leadership involves development, shifts, transformations, but I find it useful to explore shifts to what? What are we desiring to move towards? As our consciousness and awareness changes, what might we now be conscious and aware of? As we work with these human development models, it's also important to note that growth and moving from one stage to the other is not guaranteed by mere potential and even aging. While in high school or college basketball, where freshmen typically become seniors, moving from a stage of dependence to a stage of independence is not guaranteed. And often a certain level of success, inertia if you will, serves to keep people in their current stage. Yet growth along human development models is possible. And all of these things we've highlighted so far, serving first, reflection, learning, human responsibility, help individuals transition 
from one stage to the next. In human development models, the movement from a stage of dependence to independence to independence interdependence is often associated with servant leadership. Robert Keegan and Lisa Leahy, who are both Harvard education and leadership professors, describe these stages as the socialized mind, the self-authoring mind, and the transforming mind. And I'll dive into a little bit on each here. Those in a dependent stage adopt the identity, values, and behaviors of the groups of which they are members. Their identity is the group to a large extent. And this may be why training development can potentially diminish others. That rigid adherence to things we describe as culture from a leader-first perspective might serve to keep individuals in a dependent stage. Sadly, remaining in a dependent stage inherently limits the highest potentials for both individuals and the group. In the independent stage, or the self-authoring mind, individuals begin to form their own values and identity and begin to ask and answer the question, what is my purpose? This person no longer needs to look outside or to the group in order to determine what may be right or best for them. And a key question moving into this stage and at this stage is, for me. What about this is important for me? What does this say for me? Independence, interdependence asks the question, what is most meaningful? The self-transforming mind recognizes the larger wholes and larger systems of which we we are all a part, as opposed to solely embracing a vision of rugged individualism and independence. This stage features a sense of foresight, learning and leading from the emerging future. I certainly recognize there's a lot here, and so these human development models might be a topic for an additional solo episode. Luckily, there are additional ways to describe the shifts in consciousness and awareness, these transformations of servant leadership. One that I'll highlight here is the shift from the industrial to the relational and emotional, from seeing others as objects to seeing others as fully human. The Arbinger Institute has some language around this shift, and they describe it as moving from an inward mindset to an outward mindset. With an outward mindset, I'm alive to and interested in others' needs, objectives, and challenges. I see others as people. With an inward mindset, I become self-focused and see others not as people with their own needs, objectives, and challenges, but as objects to help me with mine. Those that can help me, I see as vehicles. Those that make things difficult for me, I see as obstacles. Those whose help wouldn't matter become irrelevant to me. Just saying it out loud feels so awful to me. Vehicle. Obstacle. Irrelevant. And it's painful for me to admit that I treat others as objects more often than I would desire. Being a student of servant leadership does not make me perfect. We are all human, prone to mistakes and errors. But perhaps I can close the gap between intention and action a bit further, recognize my failings, and walk the path to reconciliation by asking for forgiveness and seeking meaningful change. When we treat others as objects, we fail to be with them in a way that allows them to become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants, while also causing vicious cycles of harm, pain, darkness, and diminishment, and undermining the results we desire to achieve. We may treat vehicles in our lives with care. Think of our cars, maybe. But their tires and engines wear out, only to be traded in. Obstacles we climb over, step on, damage and diminish, leaving them in the dust. And an irrelevancy we leave to brave the elements on its own, failing to treat, 
with even the slightest care and attention. Service to others begins when we are aware of others' needs. Being alive to and interested in others' needs looks like listening first, asking questions, empathy, emotional self-awareness, holding people as resourceful, creative, and whole, and committed to their growth. These are some of the actions and characteristics of the servant leader. And perhaps another additional episode will cover 10 characteristics of a servant leader, which was developed by Larry Spears, servant leadership scholar at Gonzaga University and former president and CEO of the Greenleaf Center for Servant Leadership. And so at this point, we have a foundation for servant leadership, for what it is and what it entails. But why is servant leadership important? Why concern ourselves with all these shifts and transformations, listening first, serving first, as opposed to these other forms of leadership that are associated with the leader first? Well, first, I would hold that greater health, wisdom, freedom, autonomy, and the legitimate power that comes from serving first our desirable ends in and of themselves. Similarly, I find there to be a beautiful grace and strength and a lifestyle devoted to deeper understandings of ourselves and others and a commitment to developing goodness in ourselves and others. But also results count too. In a Harvard Business Review article, Leadership That Gets Results by Daniel Goleman, who popularized emotional intelligence in our culture, shows that the leadership styles most closely linked to servant leadership have the most positive impact on the six drivers of climate. The leadership styles that were most closely linked to leading first, holding results over people, had the most negative impact on these drivers of climate. The analysis in this study also suggests that climate accounts for nearly one-third of financial results. So there's a clear link here between servant leadership, climate, and positive business outcomes. There's also a growing dissatisfaction in the way that leadership has been done for a long time, with its focus on holding results over people, leading first as opposed to serving first. Each year, beginning in the year 2000, Gallup releases a poll on workplace engagement. And in March 2016, workplace engagement was was at its highest level in the history of the poll. This record high number, 34% of U.S. workers reported being engaged at work. Only 34%. On average, 30% of employees have been engaged at work during the last 20 years. 16.5% of workers report being actively disengaged at work. Those so disengaged, they act to work against their employers. And a whopping 53% of workers are merely not engaged. The number one reason workers report being disengaged, employee engagement is directly tied to communication from a boss. As Gallup states, given the troubling state of employee engagement in the U.S. today, it makes sense that most managers are not creating environments in which employees feel motivated or even comfortable. I don't have similar data for basketball programs, but it appears that most college basketball programs are not very different. Division I transfers in men's college basketball have risen from 577 in 2012 to 1,039 in 2020, with a steady increase over this time. While there are certainly many factors that have led to this number, high transfer rates for specific programs seem to indicate some connection that student-athlete engagement is directly tied to climate and communication from a coaching staff. Recent scandals that have come to light show that the style of coaching basketball based in results over people, leading first as opposed to serving first, 
is still very prevalent. Unfortunately, coaching changes, high transfer rates, and lesser win-loss records also seem to indicate success with this style of coaching has a limit and a shelf life, and eventually falls in on itself. After Greenleaf's definition of servant leadership and his best test, I introduced servant leadership as a vision for leadership that holds people and results together. It remains that all the work ever accomplished is achieved only in the context of relationships. When relationships are undermined or pushed to the side, the possibility for great work, creating the results we truly desire, and fulfilling our highest potentials is greatly diminished or sadly eliminated. Emotional intelligence is found to be directly responsible for between 27 to 45% of job and career success. On average, IQ is found to be responsible for only 6% of job and career success. Similarly, a study from the Center for Creative Leadership found that emotional intelligence accounts for 48% of what differentiates high from low leadership performers. Maybe this is due to the fact that, as Daniel Goleman states, the key to a high group IQ is social harmony, which allows a group to take advantage of the full talent of its members. In groups where there are high levels of emotional and social static, people cannot offer their best. The key to a group intelligence is not the average IQ, but rather in terms of emotional intelligence. If a leader is to be concerned with results, the primal role of a leader then becomes the emotional and relational domains. Service to others first truly makes great work, creating the results we truly desire and fulfilling our highest potentials possible. The emotional and relational domains are made up of actions and behaviors that are measurable and teachable. Development in this context does not happen on its own. These are skills, listening, being aware of others' needs, building community, that can be developed with awareness, reflection, and intentional practice towards the leader we choose to be. They are not hardwired, and these are not soft skills. This is the work of leadership. We've walked this winding road of what servant leadership is, what it entails, and why concern ourselves with this challenging yet transforming way of being in the world. Perhaps all of this could best be summarized that servant leadership is about love. This love is the concern for and development of others, the responsibility of caring for others' highest priority needs, and the respect for the loved one growing on their terms. Servant leaders are loving. And this love calls us forward to engage in life and with our relationships with responsible action and devoted to deeper understandings of ourselves and others. This path of servant leadership is indeed a developmental process, something we may never fully arrive at, that we are always in training to become. I invite you on this journey with me. Together we'll explore and learn, struggle and make mistakes, and continue to move towards this long-term transformational approach to life and work that has the potential for creating positive change throughout our society. Thank you so much for being here, and I'm so grateful, truly grateful, for each and every one of you. You'll find resources from this episode to continue your learnings on servant leadership in the show notes. Subscribe now, share with others, and I'd love to hear from you. Write and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, reach out via social media, or email me at adam at adamgcoaching.com. I'm so excited to explore servant leadership and share love in basketball 
with you. Thank you.